Hello. Good morning. Ben kind of started a trend the last couple of weeks. I thought I would just continue with that. Um, it's a lot easier than picking out something to wear. Um, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say hello to the Bel Air campus over the John Carroll School. And uh, I want to raise the glass to the Edgewood campus. Second birthday today. So praise God for that. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, we are in the third week of what we hope is an awakening. Uh, we're trying to wake up. Trying to do more than just coast through life or sleep through life and miss out on what life is really supposed to be. We want to be alert. We want to be alive and fulfilled, not content to just uh, let the hours or the days roll by while we're off in la-la land somewhere. No, we've got to wake up. And hopefully one of the things that will happen is that all of us will have a, a chance to encounter God in a new way. Whether you know anything about God, you've been to church before, wherever you're at, all of us have been invited to uh, pray this prayer, which forms the foundation of this whole series. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. We want want to get an answer to that prayer. So to help us, we're diving into the Bible, of course, to try to discover God. We've been using this book. It's called Finding Your Way Back to God. Five Awakenings to Your New Life. Those five awakenings have given shape to each of the the weeks, and last week, we got out of bed with the first awakening, the awakening to longing, uh, recognizing there that we all have this sense that there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than this. We, we, we long for a love that's real. We want to find something meaningful to pursue. We long for answers to life's puzzles. We want a life that matters, right? We all have those longings. They're inside all of us, and they, they propel us forward in life as we seek to, uh, to satisfy those desires that, you know, that God put there. I mean, the longings aren't bad. God gave them to us. Those longings emerge in one particular story in the Bible. We've been focusing on it. It's a story that Jesus told, often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And in it, there was a father who had two sons, and the youngest one allowed his longings and desire for more uh, lead him away from his father, which is, of course, an option for all of us. We can probably all think of how our longings have led us away from God. We had those desires building up inside of us, and rather than go toward God to find fulfillment for those things, we uh, went away from God. We talked through those dynamics last week. Well, now, uh, today, we're talking about an awakening that is often connected to when we search for fulfillment in all the wrong places, and that is the awakening to regret. Yes, regret. That's a real pick-me-up, you know? Uh, Let's call to mind our regrets. I was forced to do that this week, and so was anyone who's been following along, reading the book, or maybe you were in a group. I was going through the the group study guide. It made me laugh. First question in this session, just first one right off the opening discussion, it says, what are your biggest regrets? Yeah, like, whoa, right off the bat, that's a pretty deep question. Like, don't touch me there. Not not yet, right? What are your biggest regrets? You know, some people had to be like, well, come to this group for one, you know. (laughs) What are your biggest regrets? Are you ready to think about that today? I noticed as people were telling about their regrets, some of them have to do with things like making a stupid investment of money or trusting someone before you really knew them or uh, you know, not saying yes to a certain opportunity and then feeling like you missed out. We, we wonder how our lives could have been better if we had made better choices. But then there are other types of regrets that aren't just dealing with matters of better or worse, but 
right and wrong. We hurt those we love. Temptation won. We compromised our character. Those regrets cut a little deeper. They have consequences on a a spiritual level. They provide fertile soil for things like guilt and shame. They're a lot harder to live with. Do you have regrets like that? One of the reasons I'm uh, sitting at a breakfast table is because when I think about regret, I think about the morning after. Think about the number of times that I've sat at a table like this, turning over in my mind the events of the night before or the week before. Regret just keeps the track playing over and over again in my mind. You know, you get like this thickness in your throat. You feel it when you swallow. It wasn't there last night. But now it's the morning after. I've always been uh, more of an early riser. Used to breakfast being a quiet time, just sitting down, you know, bowl of cereal. Maybe uh, reading the box. Um, something. Oh. oh, did you see that? Yeah. Did you get yours yet? I was trying to, I was hoping I could get maybe an autographed copy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, since you're laughing, uh, you know, I'm kind of alone with my thoughts at, at breakfast. At one time, I made up a joke. It just came to me. Do you want to hear it? You guys awake? All right. So here's the joke. Uh, what do you call spoiled milk? A serial killer. Oh, oh man, you're loving it. Wow, I've made that up one morning at breakfast. Yeah. So I'm sorry I can't I can't keep you laughing all day because um, we're dealing with the with the sober topic, right? And and that's really more what this moment is like in the morning. It is a serious time. It's a quiet time. A reflective time. And it's providing conditions quite suitable for regret, in fact, especially the morning after. I remember in high school, there was a period of time where I would often be here the morning after uh, going too far with my girlfriend the night before. Now, a lot of us probably anymore don't have much of a conscience about those kind of things, or at least it seems that way. But I knew better. I knew um, how to honor my body and honor someone else's and what healthy boundaries in a relationship looked like. I just chose to ignore those boundaries because it felt good. Well, except it didn't feel good uh, the morning after, especially if it was a Sunday morning and I had to go to church. Those are not fun church services to sit through. I remember plenty of times in college sitting down eating breakfast uh, the morning after, being up late for hours looking at porn. The internet at that time was just, still seemed like this brand new thing and I wasn't very familiar with all the productive uses of it, but I sure knew it was full of a lot of porn. And again, some of us are probably so desensitized that it's like, well, what, there's no shame in looking at a little porn or what. But come on. Women's bodies are not toys. And there's nothing healthy or right about objectifying them. No, I wasn't thinking in terms that sophisticated in college. I was just interested in the stimulation. Except not so much the morning after. Then I was just trying to get rid of the guilt. Which is hard, right? Because when you try to cr- close your eyes to pray the morning after, you can only see images from the night before. Unfortunately, I've still got too many of those images banked in my mind. My kids wake up pretty early these days. They're young, and it's hard to wake up before them, but sometimes I still do. And I'll sit down at this table the morning after losing my temper with my kids, yelling at my kids. I only yell at my kids. I don't yell at nobody else. Pretty laid-back guy. Patient all day, gracious. Makes me pretty good at this pastor gig, earning praise from the likes of you all. And then I'll go home at night and act like an idiot. 
sitting at the table the next day going, what am, what am I doing? That's regret, right? What's it like for you the morning after? Maybe it's today. What are your biggest regrets? You ready to think about that today? The ones I shared are pretty cliche, I suppose. You know, lust, anger, classic guy stuff. I've got other ones. I like the ones relative to how I've treated my wife. I don't like to revisit those classic selfishness stuff. I'm not a very interesting guy, maybe. You got spicier stories? I mean, I've never really had trouble with the drugs and alcohol. I'm clean with the law. I don't have monster financial debts or something. I mean, but some of us have more dramatic stories to tell, surely. But I don't know that it really matters, does it? Because all of us have done enough to know what the morning after is like, right? I don't, I don't, I don't like sitting here. I don't like the thickness in my throat. I don't like the pit in my stomach. The memories of last night have spoiled. They might have tasted good when served fresh the night before, but as leftovers the morning after, uh uh-uh. I've been here enough times to say what surely all of us have said plenty of times before. I wish I could start over. That's regret, right? But as quickly as regret sparks within me a desire to start again, it, it also gives rise to doubts about whether that's even possible. I wish I could start over, but, but how could I? After what I've done? And I don't know what you've done. And we don't have to have a contest to see who's done the most dastardly thing because I'll bet all of us have been haunted by the possibility that we've done what's unforgivable. We, we've wondered or we've felt like maybe we crossed some line. With God, if there is a God, he's probably got standards. I mean, we've heard that he does. What if, what if I pass the point of no return? What if I'm damaged beyond repair? What if I've caused damage that cannot be fixed? There are some regrets that are the unspeakable ones. We might put different things on that list of what's unmentionable. and Probably and unfortunately, our list has been made as a result of our experience with church. Whatever that's been. When you hang around a church long enough, you get a sense for what's on the unspeakable or even unforgivable sin list. Divorce was on that list in the church environment where I grew up. Premarital sex, adultery. What have you been led to believe is on that list? Abortion, homosexual attraction or sexual activity, child abuse. Or maybe it's not a universal list. It's unique to you. There's some accident that you caused, or you said too much, or you didn't say enough, and now it's too late, and you can't forgive yourself. I did a funeral two weeks ago for a 44-year-old who died of a heroin overdose, and you could just sense the, the wrestling going on inside the family members, trying to sort out what they could have or should have or shouldn't have done. There's regret. What are your biggest regrets? Are you ready to think about that today? We've got to go somewhere with these thoughts, and, and we're in church. We might as well go to the Bible. I'm going to return to a story where we've been the last few weeks in Luke chapter 15, the story often called the story of the prodigal son. You can go there if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 15. It's in the New Testament. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start um, a little ways into the middle and just focus on one section today. Luke 15, beginning in verse 13. Not long after that, after what now? Son goes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance now. I I wish you were dead to me, essentially. Give me my money and and I'll be gone. So not long after that, uh, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. 
So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but would you make me like one of your hired servants? So he got up and went to his father. This, uh, this is a real critical juncture in this story. I hope you'll be around for the whole series so you can get through the entire story. But it's important to really pay attention to this part. There's, there's three major elements here that when you uh, string them all together, they provide the momentum needed to get the son headed back toward home. Which, if you know the end of the story, you know that to be a very good thing. Okay? The son needs to be rerouted. Because now uh, his longing and pursuit of more has left him empty-handed. He's in a bad way. And if his story ended here, well, then he'd be like every other statistic on the news. But it doesn't. It's propelled forward by three key moves. He began to be in need. He came to his senses. And he got up and went to his father. These are the building blocks for the awakening to regret. With these three things now strung together, the son can get on a path toward healing. He began to be in need. He came to his senses. And he got up and went to his father. The awakening to regret is so important in our lives because it becomes the catalyst for getting us where we need to go. But here's the thing. Uh, The pieces don't always come together that easily. I just think about what's been true for me. I'm sure you can relate as well. Um, You know, we'll, uh, we'll come to a point of need it doesn't necessarily have to be a financial need, although it could be, but something's lacking, something's deficient, there's a problem, uh, things didn't turn out like we had hoped. Uh, it, maybe you wouldn't describe it of your whole life, but there is one particular area of your life that you know is out of control and it needs a fix, we have a need. And so we come to our... No, we don't. No, no we, we don't come to our senses right away. We don't get to this point and say, oh, it's time for a change. I better opt for a new approach. I better get some help here. I need a fix. No, no, where's the excitement in that? I mean, when I get myself into a tight spot or I screw something up, usually before I even admit that I screwed it up, I try to fix it myself. That's why arguments with my wife take so long because I'm not ready to call attention to, to my own errors or deal with the real issue. Rather, I spend so much time and energy right here trying to work toward a resolution that doesn't involve me changing anything. So we just kind of spin around right here. There's, there's a gap between my point of need and actually coming to my senses. She might need to change her. I'm totally willing to help her do that. I mean, I'm <laughs> such a good guy, you know. Yeah, I'm a good guy. Why would I immediately jump to conclusions about me needing to make an adjustment? I mean, surely the same attitudes that got me here, the same selfishness and the same pride and the same ignorance, surely if... I just keep doing all of those things. That'll get me to where I need to go. The son in the story, he lost all his money, but he didn't immediately come to his senses. No. First he tries to take matters into his own hands. Yeah, I'll go get a job serving slop on a pig farm. 
Never mind the fact that the pigs aren't kosher and so I'm compromising my whole identity as a Jewish boy. Never mind that it won't actually provide the income that I need to survive. Oh, surely this will get me to the right place. I think of uh, Jake's story. I was listening to more of that. We heard some of that last week. He was a guy on the video. He moved to Nashville, took a job as a bartender, started drinking all the time, different girls every night, had, did his own uh, wild living thing. But he said, he said this at one point. He said, by five years in, I had moments where I, I, I laughed at myself. I would look at myself and say, fools do this. You're living like a fool. Looks like he's coming to his senses. But then the very next thing out of his mouth was, a year and a half later, it became really serious. And I began to think, wow, change now is going to be really hard. Going round and round right here for over a year and a half. I think my friend AJ, he was telling me uh, some of his story this week. He got into a difficult spot financially with uh, a baby on the way. And so he decided to take matters into his own hands and he stole money from work. Now, it was just a little bit and it was only going to be one time, but it developed into a pattern that continued for months until, unbeknownst to him, he had stolen over $5,000. And we can't look at AJ or at Jake or at the son in the story and say, how could you? Because we know how could they. We all do the same things. We're all slow in coming to our senses. Now for some of us, the consequences are more dramatic or the stakes are higher or we've done something that's on someone's unmentionable list, but we all get stuck right here sometimes. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you like to put the pieces together. You'd like to get on the road toward healing, but it's like you came here and then all of a sudden you started going around and around about right here, doing the same old things, getting the same old results. Well, if that's the case for you today, then it's time to come to your senses. Perhaps you have some blind spots that you need other people to help you see. Who's someone who knows you and knows Jesus who could help you see what you're missing? Maybe tomorrow you're sitting alone at the breakfast table, you have some time to reflect, and you think about what behaviors are you constantly justifying? What truths are you not telling fully so you know you made some mistakes you've gotten yourself into a tight spot yeah join the club who hasn't but are the decisions that you're making now leading you toward god or away from god or they're just leading you around in circles if that's the case it's time to come to your senses today That's the first part of the awakening to regret. It's when we finally acknowledge, I can't do this anymore. I've tried to fix it myself, but, but I just can't. I, I got a problem and something needs to change. After a long and destructive journey, the son in the story finally came to his senses. And unlike any time before, he had a moment of clarity. I, I need to go back to my father. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent from what I've done. So he got up and went to his father. And that's exactly how it needs to work. That's the power of the awakening to regret. It becomes a catalyst for directing us toward God, our heavenly father. The the awakening to regret, it, it involves both a recognition of the problem 
and a move toward the solution. You can't have one without the other. It's not just about feeling bad for what you've done and regretting it, but also doing something about it. That's repentance, by the way. That's the way the Bible teaches it. It's actually, it's turning, changing, doing something about it, changing course. The book, uh, the book does a good job of teaching on this too. It talks about repentance being motion, not just emotion. Not just regretting what you've done, but actually doing something about it. And I understand all that. I, uh, I see how the son put those pieces together in the story. But I also think about the number of times that I have sat at this table, having come, having come to my senses, f- feeling terrible about what I've done, and knowing exactly what I need to do. But then sitting there and watching the clock tick by before I actually do anything about it. I mean, I'll be honest, as much trouble as I have getting from here to here, I probably have more trouble closing this gap. I'll know what I need to do long before I actually do it. Insight doesn't always lead to change. You know what I mean? Maybe you can relate. Maybe, maybe you're here right now. It's, it's the morning after, and you're awake to the change that you need to make, yet you're still sitting on it. You're not doing anything about it. Well, to you and to me and to anyone who is stalled right here, God is saying to us, you've you got to let the awakening to regret. If it's really an awakening, you've got to let it finish its work and lead you to action. Let regret move you toward God in repentance rather than tolerating another complacent moment. Don't just wish you could start over and have your marriage be different. You be different in your marriage. Let God change you and then watch as your marriage changes as well. Don't just sulk in regret over what you did or didn't do for your kids all the years that they were growing up. Get up and make the most of today. Don't quietly commit to end a destructive habit. No, you tell other people about it so they can hold you accountable. If you have done deeds in the darkness then it's time for them to come into the light. And just like it is when you turn the lights on in the morning, the exposure hurts. But until you commit to living in the light, you cannot be on the path toward healing. What are your biggest regrets? Are you ready to do something about that today? For some of us, that's exactly what we need to hear to start over. And yet I know that for others of us, the doubts about whether starting over is even possible still still loom large. Too large, in fact, for us to have the courage to move toward God with our regrets. It's not complacency that gets us stuck here, but fear and shame. Maybe you sit at the breakfast table in the morning you say, I know I need to make a change. I know I can't keep living like this, and I don't want to, but this, this is all I know. I don't know if I have what it takes to live differently. I've never been clean. I've never asked for help before. I don't know how to trust people. I don't know how people could ever trust me again. I don't have the answers or the ability to fix everything that I screwed up. I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. I know I need a 34th 
chance and I want it, but I don't see how God could ever give it to me. With notions in our head about which regrets are the unmentionable ones or the impossible to come back from ones, what happens to many of us is we'll come to our senses. We'll say, it's time to go back to church. But then we either don't do it because we don't think that the church could handle our problems. We can't imagine a church where people who've done what we have would fit in, so we don't go. Or we do go to church, but we believe all the same things about the church's inability and God's inability to deal with our problems, so we keep ourselves closed off. We bury our regrets and we put up a facade just trying to fit in with all the other happy Christians around us. Surely my anger at God doesn't belong here, so I better hide that. Surely the things that I've done are too offensive for these people, so I better hide them. Surely the questions that I have are not allowed to be spoken here, so I'll just bury them. I mean, we're pretty sure that there's more to life than this. And we don't want a future that is haunted by the past. But in order to get where we want to go, we have to take a path that we've never taken before. And that future is scary and we're too afraid, too ashamed to actually take a step and close the gap between what we know we need to do and actually doing it. Well, you're going to have to take a chance. And let me tell you why it's worth taking that chance. Because this church is not a community full of squeaky clean people who have life all figured out. The only thing we boast about having figured out around here is that we need Jesus. There's no perfect people allowed here. You got regrets? Me too. This is a me too church where the healers have scars and the helpers have struggles and the leaders have limps. I'll tell you about one timely example of how this church is trying to create an environment for healing for a specific type of regret. Currently developing a safe and confidential group for women who are trying to heal from and be restored from the regret of an abortion. Uh, whether that was a decision made in haste or under pressure or in panic, whatever the circumstances, for anyone who is suffering in silence, um, in post-abortion stress, this, this opportunity is for you. It would be very hard to talk about that, but we want to create space where it can be talked about and worked through in a way that's healthy and redemptive. If that's of interest to you, it's something that is just for me. You can direct phone calls to the church or um, contact one of the members of our pastoral counseling team. Their email addresses should be on the screen. This is not a church where we are offended by or blind to the real challenges of life. And that's one reason why you can take a chance and move toward the church and toward God with your regret. And the other reason it's worth taking that chance is because we know how the story of the prodigal son ends. And we know how the stories of people who traveled that same journey, who've got their own foul-ups and needs and unmentionable sins, we know how those stories end. There are stories. 
You know, Jesus first told the story of the prodigal son to a group of tax collectors and sinners, the Bible calls them. These were the outcasts when it came to matters of God and religion. And they were outcasts precisely because the religious establishment couldn't handle the regrettable things that they had done. But Jesus, throughout his life, remained very consistent in his disapproval of the religious establishment. And he told this story so that we would know This is what God is like. God, the father out there in the story. The father to to whom the son just took his first step. You need to know what the father is like. If the father is only what you imagine him to be as a vengeful judge, then, then don't get up and go back. If he is only what church people have led you to believe, that he's mostly a pretty good guy, except he really can't stand people who've done what you've done, well then don't get up and go back. If he will only increase your shame and pile on more guilt, well, then you're better off staying where you are. But Jesus is telling you this story so that you'll know, no, this is what God is like. He's a good father. And he loves you unconditionally. Yes, you have trouble forgiving yourself. He does not. Yes, other people may have written you off. He has not. You may not have counted yourself worthy and you don't know what to expect when you come before God and expose what you've done. But Jesus told this story so that we know on the front end there is no condemnation in his voice. You may have disqualified yourself from being his child, but he has not forgotten your true identity. That's what God is like. If, if somewhere along the line you walked away from God and now you regret it, guess what? God is still waiting for you. And if people who were supposed to represent God have led you to believe something differently, well, th- then listen to Jesus so you'll know what God is like. He already knows what you're like. He already knows the regrets that you're trying to hide. And the good news is that returning to him doesn't involve tricking God into believing how good you are. You don't have to pretend. He's not expecting some song and dance. All he is waiting for is you to say, I wish I could start over and then act on that decision. Maybe maybe the prayer from the book is exactly your prayer today. God, awaken in me the possibility that with you I could start over again. You won't have all the answers. You won't be able to imagine how God could redeem what you have screwed up. But that's exactly why you entrust yourself to him, because he knows how to write a redemption story. He's a good, good father. And he's waiting for us to return to him. The choice is ours. We can sit here in complacency, knowing what we ought to do, yet hesitating to actually do it. We can remain frozen in fear and shame, wallowing in our regret. Or by God's grace, we can come to our senses and get up to go to our Father.